Well, good morning, faith family. If you got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. About two weeks ago, we started a series through the book of Acts. We are challenging our faith family to uh, really a whole new level in the mission that God has called us to. And uh, we're being challenged as we go through the book of Acts to think bigger in terms of our gospel influence and to think wider and broader and how we can impact more lives with the transforming message of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're talking about things like uh, venue. Let me give you just a, just take a moment here to have this conversation. Uh, next week, we are launching our live venue. Uh, as Pastor Terry mentioned, uh, our gymnasium will be turned into a live venue. And here's the ask that we need to ask of you. We need about 200 people from this service that will be willing to go to the live venue to open up even more seats as we continue to grow. God continues to bring more and more and more people to us. And so I know that's a big ask, but we need about 200 of you total uh, that would be willing to consider that and uh, be a part of that next week. And so if you'll uh, pray about that and sense where God is leading you, it also gives you an opportunity to invite friends Uh, to invite your neighbors to come and be a part of our faith family here at Berean. So consider that. It's also why we are uh, talking about being a church of multiple locations. And we're praying and working hard to see that come about in fall of 2016. It's why we're talking about things like how do we expand this facility so that we can continue to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's no better book to make us feel really uncomfortable about those kinds of things in the book of Acts because it forces us to think bigger and wider for the sake of mission, okay? Now, this morning we're going to come to Acts chapter 3, and we've seen the mission kind of launch in Acts chapter uh, 1. Jesus reveals himself to his disciples, talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, we see what this mission is going to look like as you have a multi-ethnic, multi-language a representation there in Acts 2, which shows you what the mission will be like for 2,000 years and beyond. That movement's still going on today, and by God's grace, we get to be a part of it. Now, in Acts 3, we see what happens in the lives of people as the mission of God advances. What happens in our life? So if you're able to stand, please do so. As we read Acts chapter 3... Luke writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And they fix his attention. he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him 
as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. We ask now, God, that you would teach us, uh, that you would do the work that only you can do. And uh, Lord, I just thank you, thank you, thank you that I get to proclaim the best news in the entire world. Give us ears to hear it. Give us hearts to receive it. All to the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before and after. I don't know what it is about before and after pictures that captivates people's amazement. I mean, we see examples of this all the time. Uh, Anytime you're just even watching television, you have a cut to commercial where right in front of you there's, here's what I looked like before Nutrisystem, and here's what I looked like after. Here's what I looked like before Rogaine, and here's what I looked like after. You know, all the time we see these kind of before and after pictures. In fact, some television programs are based around the whole idea of before and after. How many of you are really into like those home renovation shows, right? Any of y'all like that? My parents like love it. You know, they'll remodel an entire home or a room in the home. How many of you knew that Pastor Terry's family was actually featured on Renovation Raiders? Anybody know that? Yeah, this isn't like a prelude to a joke. This is real, all right? Here is a picture of their kitchen before Renovation Raiders, right? And here is a picture one day after. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, very cool, very cool. And Pastor Terry wanted me to announce you're all invited over (laughs) after the service. Write down his address. It's No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But we, we kind of know these kind of before and after things, don't we? Like there, there's Barry Bonds before steroids. There's Barry Bonds after steroids. Don't tell me that guy wasn't juicing, all right? There's you in the morning around other people before your morning coffee, right? There's you after your morning coffee, right? That's right. There's your relationship while you were dating, right? All cute and cuddly. Oh, there's your relationship after you got married. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding, but seriously. Totally kidding, but seriously, all right? We all have experienced that kind of before and after. But nothing grips our heart more than a before and after situation where somebody's life has been changed forever. A child that only knew the darkness of an orphanage that now knows the love and embrace of family. A man who only knew the the horrors of addiction who now knows what it's like to be free. The expression on someone's face who's never been able to hear, but now able to hear for the first time. Hi, Cooper.
before and after. Is it okay to cry? There's something that grips your heart about a life that's been changed forever. And it's precisely what's happened in Acts 3. The people are captivated. They know this man. They've seen him day after day. His before is that every day he's been brought to the temple and laid down. He's lame. He's been lame from birth. But now we see him and he's up walking around. His before was he can't walk. His after is he's walking. And the people here in Acts 3 are mesmerized by this life that's been changed. And they start to gather around Peter and John. Look at verse 12. And Peter saw it, that is, all this crowd gathering. And he addressed the people and he said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? In other words, they're so amazed at this before and after, they start to gather around Peter and John like they're some kind of superhero. We want to see the next miracle. We want to see the next magic show. And Peter and John said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. Before you misunderstand what caused this before and after, let's get one thing absolutely clear. And faith family, this is the message of Acts chapter 3, verse 16. And His name, that is the name of Jesus, By faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Do you know what has caused this before and after? It is the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because lives can be transformed by the power of the gospel. Where have we heard that before? The undeniable and absolutely clear message of Acts chapter 3 is that Jesus has the power to change a life. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? Folks, i got to be honest with you. i got to be honest with you. Why is it when I read the book of Acts, I sense such a disconnect between the way they lived and the way I live? Why is it when I read the book of Acts, I see such a disconnect from the way many churches operate and the way the early church operates? Because for many of us, theologically, we believe in the power of the name of Jesus, but functionally, we don't actually apply that faith. Peter and John saying, listen, you better get one thing straight, one thing absolutely clear. There is power in the name of Jesus, and he transforms you to live by faith. It is why often in the Bible, people have to be reminded over and over again at what God can do. Do you remember when God came to Abraham and Sarah and said, listen, I know you're really old. You're way too old to have children, but I'm going to give you a son. What did Sarah do? She laughed. That's a good one, God. Yeah, funny one. We're going to have a child 
And what did God ask them to answer? Here's the question. Notice it on the screen. Here's what God asked. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is it? you got to answer that. It's like in Israel's life, God rescues them from Egypt, takes them into the wilderness, supernaturally provides manna from heaven, and then they grumble. They want something better to eat, so God promises meat for a month. And do you remember how Moses responds? A man who just saw God split the sea, a man who just saw manna come from heaven says, yeah, God, but we're 600,000 people. You can't feed that many. And you just want to say, really? After everything you've just seen, you still doubt God's ability. And what question does God ask Moses? Here it is on the screen. He has this. Is the Lord's power limited? Faith family, is it? Have you answered that question for your life? Like Rakshak, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, nicknamed Rakshak and Benny by our VeggieTale friends? They stand before the king, and the king says, listen, if you don't bow before the king, if you don't bow before the image, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, well, then I guess you're going to have to throw us in the fiery furnace because we're not bowing to a false god. What gave them the ability to live that way? A doctrinal statement? No. Faith in this. Notice on the screen. Here's what they told the king. They said this. God is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. Do you believe that? Think of all the impossible. I'm going to beat this dead horse. Think of all the impossible situations in the gospel. A man oppressed by demonic spirits, a man with leprosy, a man born blind, a a, a guy paralyzed, raised down from the ceiling by his friends who's told to get up and walk. Lazarus, three days in the grave, and Jesus says, come forth, and he does. Why? What are the gospels showing us with Jesus? Here's what Jesus says. Look on the screen. He says this, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Do you believe? It's like what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, here's the conclusion. It is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing, nothing is too hard for you. That's the message of Acts 3. You see this before and after in this man. You're captivated by that, but let's get the main point right. It only happened because the power of God. And not only do we see that message in Acts chapter 3, but we see examples of what the power of God does in people's lives. I'm going to give you four before and after pictures. Before, before, and after pictures that captivate us as to what the power of God does in a life. Here's the first one. Is that the power of God takes people from before who were selfish to after become servants. So the before picture is selfish. The after picture is a servant. Look at verse 1. 
Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Now, folks, this is something that you could miss very, very easily. The Jews went to the temple three times a day to pray, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., In Acts chapter 3, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray like they've done time and time and time and time again before. Luke tells us that there is a man lame from birth who's been placed at the gate of the temple how often? Daily. Every day. And we know from Acts chapter 4, this man is 40 years old. In other words, week after week after week after week, this man has been laid at the gate. You say, what's the point? Here's the point. Peter and John have walked by him time and time and time again, and this is the first time they stopped to help. Oh, maybe a nickel or two before, but they have never given this man this kind of attention before. Why is that? Because if you know anything about the disciples in the Gospels, you know there is a pattern in their life that quite honestly is too frequent in mine. What is that pattern? Do you remember in Luke chapter 9, right after the transfiguration? Seriously! Like they got to see that. And what do they do immediately afterwards? They start arguing as to who's the greatest. Luke chapter 22, right after the Lord's Supper, what do they do? They start arguing about who's the greatest. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus gets done telling a story about a landowner, a vineyard owner, who hired people that did not even deserve to be hired. And what happens right after that? It's crazy. Two of the disciples have their mom ask Jesus if they can have the best seats in the kingdom. What's the point? Come right here, faith family. The pattern in the Gospels with the disciples is the same pattern that's far too often in ours. It's a tendency to put self before service. It's walking to the worship service right past the opportunities to serve. But the gospel opens your eyes to things around you. Do you know why? Because, and this is what I think is so profound, is that Peter and John are doing what Jesus would have done with this lame man. That's all that's happening because they've been transformed by Jesus to where they're not consumed in this moment with self. They're consumed with how can I serve. So let me ask you, who are the people that you're walking by every single day? You may be married to them. You may have worked with them for the past 15 years, but God has placed them in your path, but you're so consumed with your routine and your agenda that you're walking past the opportunity to serve. 
The gospel will not let you do that any longer when you're sensitive to it. Because Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Jesus turns selfish people into servants. Amen? Before, selfish. After, servant. Here's the second picture. It is before hopeless, after joyful. We take this from the lame man. Pick it back up in verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Here's a man who's been crippled from birth. I say he's helpless and he's hopeless because he's crippled from birth, which means, in fact, the text tells us that every single day, like his family or friends had to bring him to the gate and, and leave him there. I mean, the guy, he's, he's, for 40 years, he's never been able to run. He's never been able to walk. He's never been able to play baseball. He's never been able to run down the street. Every single day, somebody has to carry him and place him by the gate of the temple. He's helpless. He's hopeless. Why? The fact that he can't walk means he can't work. The fact that he can't work means he can't earn a living. The fact that he can't earn a living means he can't provide for himself, which means this. Without the charity of other people, this man dies. He's not greedy. He's not looking for a handout. He just wants to live. He's completely hopeless until Peter and John come along. And they look at, or they tell him to look at him. Look in verse 4. They, gave, they directed their gaze at him, as did John. He said, look at us. And then notice what happens. He fixed his attention on them. Why? He expects to receive something. So, goody! Five dollars? Ten. Maybe twenty. But, but they, they told me to look at him, so something good must be coming here. And Peter said, verse 6, I have no silver and gold. We're poor pastors. We're poor missionaries. We got no money, but here's what we do have. I give you this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And oh, I wish I could have seen verse 7 in person. He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And then here's his response. He's leaping. He stood up. He began to walk, and he enters the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That's awesome. This guy doesn't just get up. He's leaping. He's dancing. He's like, he cannot control his excitement. This guy has gone from lame to dancing with the stars. And why is that? Because Jesus Christ has transformed his hopeless situation. He was hopeless. He was helpless until the name of Jesus came along. Amen? Come on, Christians, this morning. That's a picture of you. Born in sin, unable to save yourself, just hoping to find enough to make you satisfied for a day to get you by until tomorrow. And then Jesus came along and gave us more than we could have ever imagined in changing our hopeless situation forever. Amen? That's what the power of Jesus can do. Thank you, three people right there. It takes selfish people and makes them servants, and it takes hopeless and helpless people and gives them joy. 
What situation are you in right now that you feel is hopeless? I tell you based on the authority of God's Word, Jesus and Jesus alone can give you hope. Now listen to me. It does not mean He will change the physical circumstances every time like He does in Acts 3. I know many people who have suffered tremendously, but they have suffered with joy. That in the midst of their hopelessness, God gave them a joy and a hope that was the anchor of their soul. This is a miracle. Miracles happen. Amen? But if they happened all the time, they wouldn't be miracles. But even in the circumstances, whether God grants healing or whether God just gives you hope in the midst of your suffering, you can leap for joy. Oh, oh, that God would do that in your situation right now that you feel is so hopeless and helpless, that you would leave today leaping and praising God for the hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. That you would sing like that old great hymn says this, I heard about His healing, His cleansing power revealing, how He made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then what? I cried... I cried what? Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Amen. God and the power of Jesus can bring victory and hope and joy in your life today. Before and after picture number three. Before, condemned. After, blessed. Pick it up in verse 12. And Peter saw that, that is the crowd, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Do you know what Peter does? He does in chapter 3 the exact same thing he does in chapter 2. He preaches the gospel. Hey, I got a crowd here. Hate to waste a crowd. I'm going to preach Jesus. And you thought I was a broken record, right? People have called me the gospel turkey because it's just gospel, 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 gospel. Like every single week, that's all you get. It's gospel, gospel, gospel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's exactly right. That's all I have to proclaim to you. What do you expect when you come here for a sermon? No, I'm serious. Do you expect practical tips? Do you expect deep theology? I want theological light bulbs going off in my brain. Do, do you expect like illustrations that make you laugh and entertain you? Those things are good, and we do those things. But you could have all those things and not hear a Christian sermon. 
Why? What is a Christian sermon? Well, I'll let the Apostle Paul define it in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. Look at this. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Right here, faith family. Christian preaching is the proclamation of a person. You say, I need a list to follow. I say they tried that in the Old Testament, and how did that turn out? You don't need a list to follow. You need a person to follow, which is why every week I'm going to give you Jesus. That's gospel preaching. That is preaching. Him we proclaim. You say, but my marriage is struggling. Yeah, and your marriage will get better when you're right with Jesus, right? Not that that's a reflection that you're not right with Jesus. My point is what you need in whatever you're facing is to follow with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, Jesus Christ. That was totally free. (laughs) Wasn't even the point of the text. I thought, while you're here, we might as well ask the question. But what does Peter do? He preaches the gospel. Now, people say to me all the time, Pastor Wes, you, you're like very black and white. You tell it like it is. You, you have no problem like calling a spade a spade. You need to realize that I don't think this culture is going to be that receptive to that kind of preaching. Really. What did Peter just do? Get this. Hey! There's a group of Jews hanging around. Hey, let me tell you something. Do you remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You know the God of our fathers? You you remember him, right? Hey, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know what you did? You denied him. You not only denied him, Pilate wanted to release him, but you wanted to release a murderer. And do you know what you did in releasing a murderer instead of Jesus? You killed the author of life. How's that for politically correct preaching? (laughs) I'm serious. You think you were condemning Jesus. Your sin condemns you. Your before picture is condemned before God because Jesus was crucified as a result of your sin. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to climb up this chair and jump off. There's an after picture for you, verse 25. You are the sons of the prophets, the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Here's what Peter says. This is so amazing. You are condemned. You killed the author of life. But let me tell you something. Do you remember God gave a promise through Abraham that all the nations would be blessed? That there would come a descendant, a seed, that in him you would receive the blessing of God. God raised him up so that this very day you can go from condemned 
to blessed. Isn't that awesome? It's bigger than selfishness to a servant or even hopelessness to joy. It is sinner to a child of God. Oh, how I want that for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the Word of God says you are condemned before God, but because Jesus took your sin and rose from the dead, this very day you can receive the blessing of God's salvation. Talk about your before and after. That's what the power of Jesus can do. Amen? Y'all as excited as I am up here? Whew. It's the best news in the world. Are you kidding me? This is what Jesus can do. Well, there's one more before and after picture, but before we look at it, some of you here could say, I know this is true. I know this is true. I just don't always feel like this is true. Pastor, I'm suffering. Pastor, I'm going through difficulty in my life. I know that God has the power to transform my situation. But I just have to be honest with you. I look around and I just, it's frustrating at times. You need to hear me. It's because right now you're still in a before picture. But there's an after coming. Let me say it this way. Have you ever remodeled something in your home that you thought was going to be minor? And it ended up becoming major. Why are you laughing? You've experienced that, right? It's one of those do-it-yourself projects that you set aside a little money and you ended up selling a kid. You know, like one of those things? Yeah. I'll never forget in our very first home, uh, we were going to replace just a tub surround. Pretty simple. We took the, the old cheap tub surround down and we discovered something that the people that we bought the home from forgot to tell us. There was a big old hole in the tile behind the tub surround where moisture had gotten through and moisture was all in the walls. We didn't just replace a tub surround, we replaced an entire bathroom. We ripped everything out. I kid you not, when you, it was like at the back of the home against the exterior wall, when you walked in the bathroom, you could walk right out into the backyard. Everything was ripped out. What we thought was going to be a small thing ended up being a much larger thing. Listen to me, dear friend. The healing of this man is a picture of a much larger renovation that's going to take place. Notice what Peter says. We'll end with this in verse 20. After he tells them, repent and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. He says, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that you may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus. Here it is. This is so good. Whom heaven must receive, so he's in heaven, until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of of his holy prophets long ago. Are you tracking with me? Jesus is in heaven, and Jesus is going to stay in heaven until a time. 
a time when the restoring of all things is going to take place. Something that the prophets spoke about long ago when prophets like Isaiah spoke of a new heavens and a new earth. What's Peter saying? Faith family, look right here. No matter what suffering you're going through right now, no matter what difficulty you're going through right now, one day it will be said of you, before you cried, after you will cry no more, before you were confined to a wheelchair, after you will get up and walk, before you were born in sin, but after you will sin no more, before you felt like a loser, but after you're going to be kings and queens of a kingdom before you felt lonely and abandoned, but after you're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever because of the transforming power of our resurrected King. You're in brokenness now. That's your before. But there is coming an after when he will make all things new. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Glory to God. Amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Friends, you may be stuck in a before, there's an after coming. There's an after coming. There is something about before and after transformation that grips the heart. So has the transforming power of Jesus Christ gripped yours? Has he changed you from selfish to servant? Has he changed you from hopeless to joyful? Has he changed you from condemned to blessed? And though you may suffer now, do you live with the assurance that one day he will make all things new? I ask you this morning, faith family, when it's all said and done, what will your before and after picture look like? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great news, the great news of the gospel, the transforming power of Jesus. And God, I just ask this morning, you know every one of us in this room, you know right where we are, and I pray that your transforming power would come into our lives and you would conform us into the image of Christ. There may be selfishness that needs to be addressed. It may be salvation. It may be future hope in the midst of suffering. But I believe, I really believe, that you have the power to transform lives forever. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.